Hello and welcome to the AMSSM Sports Medcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ashwin Rao from the University of Washington. I'm thrilled to introduce Dr. Crystal Wong, who is a board certified family medicine physician and an associate medical director at the University of Washington Neighborhood Clinics. Dr. Wong was instrumental in developing and rolling out our telemedicine services here at the University of Washington during the peak of the pandemic and was really responsible for setting the pace and the established you know, resources that we had available once we became aware that telemedicine services were available and uh, had to be broadly distributed given the lack of uh, ability to take care of patients in person. And so I wanted to take a chance to welcome Crystal to the podcast and, um, and uh, talk a little to you. So thank you, Crystal. Yeah, thanks, Ashwin. I'm um, really pleased to be here with you today. Awesome. So, you know, why don't we go ahead and lead off with a question? So the first question I had is, how did you come to lead UW Medicine's telemedicine effort at the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, um, I, I wonder if this was a case of being in the right place at the right time or being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I guess you could spin it both ways. But as you mentioned in the intro, so I'm a family doctor uh, here at UW and I have been at UW for um, almost 15 years and have become involved in um, kind of different aspects of leadership at UW. And one of the uh, partnerships that I was uh, developing was partnering with primary care and the digital health team, because I think like most of you listeners out there, um, digital health is getting big. And um, even prior to COVID, um, most healthcare institutions were trying to figure out how we're going to integrate digital health tools. And fortunately, we had already started um, dabbling in video visits for primary care. We actually had rolled out a program about a year prior to COVID. It was a much smaller program than what we have now. Um, But we had the infrastructure and we had put a lot of thought into all the little important operational aspects of running a telemedicine program and making it work for real providers in real life. And so we had that skeleton and then COVID hit. And as someone who had kind of a lot of expertise for the for the university, despite the fact that our program was small, um, we really built upon that. And I uh, became very involved with the telemedicine rollout, which um, you know was really all hands on deck and we borrowed resources from all over the university uh, to make this happen. Um, and just in terms of scoping, it's so interesting, you know, we're doing a lot of assessment of just what the heck happened during that time. And we actually increased telemedicine visits by 29,000%, which is insane. That number is unheard of. Um, our our uh, data analyst had to double check her numbers because she thought she had done her math wrong. Um, but we had gone to doing maybe about 130 visits a month to a peak of almost 40,000 um, telemedicine visits in May of 2020. Well, so um, it was a wild ride. I can imagine. And I will say um, to the audience out there that I was so impressed by your efforts to broadly implement this in a very short period of time across a wide rate of providers. And to the point where it was even back about a year ago when we started talking about doing this podcast, because I felt like there was a real opportunity to think about implementing telemedicine services in the sports medicine space. But what I what I wanted to kind of hear a little bit more about was from your perspective as somebody who's led this effort at the University of Washington, 
what do you see as the primary benefits of telemedicine in the primary care space and how that might translate to other um, disciplines as well? Yeah, I think something that is just so core to being an effective provider and to have impact on the patient's lives and their outcomes is really this continuity of care and this ease of access to their care team. And um, telemedicine and digital health in general just provide us so many new and innovative tools to make access to care so much easier for patients. You know, I think during the pandemic, and even so now, even though, you know, we all feel that we we know a little bit more, you know, there's still a, a high amount of fear out there in the community. And, you know, I think that's honestly warranted. And we're, we're kind of in this midst of, are we going to have a fourth surge right now? Or, or is our vaccine effort, um, you know, big enough to combat that? And telemedicine really allowed us to continue continuity relationships, even when there was a lot of fear and uncertainty. And I think that that is really translatable um, in a post-COVID world as well. You know, we are doing a lot of patient surveys. Um, we're getting thousands and thousands of responses every month. And one of the things that's really a trend that we're hearing from patients is that they want telemedicine to stick around. They don't want this to go away in a post-pandemic world. They appreciate the convenience. They're finding high value in it. Um, and they're really making uh, the, the case to us. They're trying to make the case to us to continue to um, make services easy for them because, you know, all of us have a lot of other things going on in our lives. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think removing that fear and uncertainty uh, from the patient care encounter, because I, I, I agree, I think a lot of my patients were fearful to present in person, particularly those who were a little bit more elderly or maybe had comorbid conditions that made them pause in entering a unfamiliar or untypical environment. And so I think that's, that's a great point. Um, the, um, the other thing that I've found in sports medicine is uh, things like MRI reviews. You know, we do a ton of MRI reviews uh, as follow-up visits for our patients and doing that via telemedicine and a screen share is actually just as helpful, if not better, I think, than almost an in-person visit in many instances. So I've found some of these benefits, but, you know, speaking of the positives, I was also curious about some of the challenges and barriers that you've seen emerge uh, as we were both stewarding this process as you were kind of going through this early as well as what has happened since. Like, where, what is the other side of this? Where the challenges lie? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where a lot of our effort is focused in on right now is ensuring that with the rapid implementation, the widespread use of telemedicine, that we really put those um, best practices into place, those um, guardrails, those boundaries uh, for this tool, because there are um, shortcomings, you know, as with any tool. Um, I think one of the, the biggest things that our department is concerned about, and especially with the mission and vision of UW Medicine, is that um, there is this digital divide. You know, not everyone has equal access to digital technologies. I mean, not everyone has access to broadband. Not everyone has access to a device. And we know that there are patients that were left behind. So we're doing a lot of um, outreach and working with um, community focus groups and putting resources towards bridging this divide. Um, so that's one overarching topic. I think another thing is really scoping of telemedicine and safety. And that's one of our main focuses right now is we have integrated our uh, digital health tools into our overarching QI structure for UW Medicine and are looking at it under the same uh, lens of scrutiny as we look at face-to-face -face care. So 
you know, what types of visits are safe for telemedicine, what things would lead to poor outcomes, you know, what best practices do we need to make sure we share, um, what trends are we seeing from peer review um, that are making us, uh, you know, find either knowledge gaps or areas where we need to reinforce standard workflows for, for outcomes. Um, and there's a, this is a huge uh, national dialogue, too, um, because I think things were very much liberalized during the pandemic because really the key was to uh, get care out there and get people access to care in an uncertain and unsafe time. And now as we move through that, I think we need to figure out, you know, really what is the best fit for use of this tool. Well, that's actually uh, actually a good transition to my next question is what types of visits do you see currently as most uh, amenable to the telemedicine format? Yeah, um, that's a billion dollar question. You know, I think one of the key tenants, and this is really just basic, right? This is like med school 101 is, is your physical exam going to make a difference in the outcome for the patient? Do you need to listen to their lungs? Do you need to feel something? Do you, do you need to actually see something with your physical eyes and not through a, a webcam? Um, if that's the case, you better get that person into your office. I think one other thing that's a little bit more nebulous, but we are trying to sort out, is this idea of continuity. You know, is it a good idea to meet someone for the first time via video? I don't know. You know, I think that's great. I think that there may be some low acuity, um, simple, you know, open and shut cases, maybe where new rapport or, you know, body language or some of these other things that um, we all get very good at reading as your, you know, a, a experienced practitioner, maybe those are not essential. However, you know, we are starting to see cases where, you know, maybe we miss something because of that lack of uh, physical proximity, that different patient relationship, maybe the comfort level of a patient sharing, you know, a, a important history. So, you know, I think that's where we are really uh, doing some key analysis. But I would say, you know, a wheelhouse thumbs up, you know, appointment would be one where a physical exam is not necessarily going to change the outcome of the visit and somewhere that you already have an established doctor-patient relationship. Yeah, I think that's the great point. You know, one of the big challenges of sports medicine is the importance of the physical exam. And mm -hmm. I'm sure you appreciate, as you've kind of mentioned, how important physical exam is to assessment uh, in sports medicine settings. Um, have you seen efforts to try to implement the physical exam via telemedicine? You know, I've tried at times to kind of say, do a shoulder exam or, you know, take a look at a dermatologic issue, but I wasn't sure if you were aware of efforts to try to actually replicate that rather than sort of just say, hey, um, this might just need to come to the office in some ways. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the art of medicine, right? You kind of um, just decide your thresholds and, you know, get creative. Um, I did see a really great article in the um, AFP journal from January about documenting um, MSK exam um, over video. Now, I think that there are a lot of us that are working on um, best practice tools to help that. And I know one of the trends that we were 
finding in our peer review audits was that less than 50% of our providers were uh, documenting any sort of physical exam on telemedicine, which is uh, not awesome. Even from just a uh, risk stratification, you know, I think it's really important to just document that the person you're seeing was in no apparent distress and non-toxic and, you know, conversing with you, you know, just from a liability perspective, um, not good to just leave that physical exam blank. Um, I do also think that one area of discovery is is as our population becomes so digitally connected, and I know you probably have patients that do this, but everyone's got devices that read stuff now, you know, um, whether those are smart watches or one of my patients told me she bought this smart ring that's going to diagnose whether she has sleep apnea. I don't know how it's yeah. doing that, yeah. but, yeah. Um, you know, there are a lot of tools out there. <laughs> You know, I actually heard from some of my patients that some of the things that they're registering for for their baby shower are these, you know, devices that help them uh, look in their baby's ears or look in their mouths or listen to um, the hearts of their lungs. So I, I think we're swiftly moving into an age where we're going to have um, opportunities to enhance the physical exam on video visits. It's just a matter of um, making sure things are actually verified to you know, be accurate, you know, be sending you good data, um, and that, frankly, you know how to use it as a provider. Yeah, well, I think a couple of great points there is like making sure that what we're doing has validity behind it. Also, just making sure to understand the limits of what we are able to do. What's been interesting to me, and I think is maybe an area where we can do lessons learned is talking with our physical therapy colleagues who are something having to do entire rehab programs via virtual uh, medicine visits, and maybe that could translate. It's just something I've been also sort of pondering is how do you how do you do an assessment? I think the other great point you put that I, I honestly think I might be even guilty of in some instances is documenting some portion of the physical exam, even if it's just your observations. I think there's probably a fallacy out there that, well, you could just document based off of time or you can document without really having to document a physical exam because you're not there in person. But yeah, you can make that assessment of how they appear. And uh, I think that's a great point that you made that I hadn't really thought about. So thanks for sharing that. One of the challenges that I've heard come up is some of the barriers in terms of administering telemedicine across state lines, um, especially when a patient might be uh, out of state or in some other region where they would love to have access to you, but but may not necessarily be able to do that via methods other than sports medicine. Or you can imagine uh, as a consultant often being sought by other providers or other patients across the country, um, a number of sports medicine providers would benefit from being able to do medical care across straight lines. So I was curious about your perspectives on that and some of the challenges that I imagine you're coming across as we look at that as an opportunity. Yeah, um, I think, Ashwin, you're really good at asking very hard questions. Um, this has been challenging. You know, uh, for those of you guys who aren't familiar with the University of Washington, um, we're the only medical school that serves a five-state region called the Whammy region. So we have a lot of patients that cross state lines that come from Montana or Idaho or Wyoming to, to come get their uh, specialty care. And uh, practicing cross state lines is a, is a, a big deal for us. And even more so during the pandemic when people, you know, really wanted to either stay put or honestly went somewhere else entirely, you know, went back home and lived with their parents or something. Yeah. So this has been something that we have really been struggling with because medical licensure is so state specific. And I think a lot of states 
tried to liberalize this during the pandemic and even still are to this day. However, everything is individual to the state itself. And to try to herd all those cats and remember what Idaho is doing versus Alaska versus Wyoming was just really impossible. And so, you know, from a, you know, if you were going to make me put this in writing, I would say you can only practice in the state that you're licensed and the patient needs to be in that state as well. Now, from a continuity relationship, which I, I do think that's the best practice for telemedicine is really to be practicing within, within a continuity established relationship, you know, you do have some protection from a liability perspective, but would I put that into practice on a on a global scale? Probably not. I don't think I'd want to put my licensure at risk for that. So we do have programs that, you know, seek to do a lot of cross-state business. You know, we have a lot of tertiary referral specialists that will see um, patients all over the place on a regular basis. You know, we make sure those providers are licensed in all those states where those patients are going to be. Oh, great point. Great point. Um, and I think I probably know the answer to this question, but I think it's worth asking anyways, is do you feel that telemedicine continues to have a role as we start to emerge from the height of the pandemic into this aftermath period, and then hopefully past it eventually, um, what role do you see telemedicine services having past the pandemic? Yeah, I really think that this could be a powerful tool, both for the effectiveness, the the access and honestly quality and cost control. However, you need to use it correctly. Um, and I think that's where we're seeing a lot of advocacy. We're seeing a lot of think tanks. We're seeing a lot of people who are very, very smart, a lot of researchers, you know, trying to help us put those guardrails in. I do think as a primary care physician, my patients are going to want to keep using this just for ease of access so they don't have to sit in traffic. It's much more um, time efficient for them. And frankly, a lot of our visits don't require a physical exam. You know, we're really just talking um, or reviewing results, as you mentioned earlier, Ashwin. And, and those are really, you know, I don't see a downside for continuing to do that. However, you know, as we delve into higher risk types of visits, as we tackle, you know, the um, new patient telemedicine visit, um, as we think about how we as a uh, healthcare system are going to ensure that patients get the right level of care, you know, and that there's good access, you know, for patients that maybe the contingency planning is they do need a face-to-face -face visit. You know, I think we need to work on those systems, especially as we are seeing more and more widespread these newer, for, newer models of care where maybe your patients are seeing, you know, whether it's for urgent reasons or very specific medical conditions, you know, um, purely telemedicine companies where they're not going to be connected to their PCP system or their home healthcare system uh, at all. And they could be very siloed. Yeah, that's a great, I'm sure there's a lot of companies and, and you know, individuals in the digital market space that are looking at that as an opportunity and uh, we'll see how and what comes of it. Um, I think my final question for you is what advice you might have for sports medicine providers who are interested in pursuing telemedicine services, but they may not yet be doing it. Um, as somebody who's led this effort, we would love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a new skill. Um, hopefully you went into medicine because you like learning new things. So, you know, there is some practice, there is a ramp up. Um, I think the thing that 
Mark's most successful programs is really integrating telemedicine as a tool into your normal practice, meaning, you know, how do your workflows that work for everything else, you know, whether it's your medical assistant or the check-in at the front desk or your nurse, how are you going to make this fit into to all of your normal things? So your poor brain, which is already stressed out from, you know, seeing all your patients and doing the hard work of being a provider, um, doesn't have to think about telemedicine too hard as something new or novel or weird. Um, and I think that was something that we learned very quickly is, you know, this had to be seamless, you know, it had to be integrated into our EHR, it had to, our front desk needed to play their part, our medical systems needed to play their part, and it didn't, it wasn't going to be successful, it was only on the shoulders of the provider. So I think from just like a nuts and bolts perspective, that is probably the most important. And then the second thing, I think, and this is where you really do need to use you know, your expertise as the provider, as the specialist, is what types of visits am I going to book as telemedicine? Um, am I going to have a rule that anyone who's new to the practice must come in and do a face-to-face -face visit first? We're not going to do, you know, a video visit as a first visit. You know, are there going to be specific types of appointments that I'm only going to do face-to-face? You know, is, is there going to be some scoping that I need to put uh, into, into play? So that when I show up, everyone has kind of been booked into the appropriate visit. Because I know that's one of the things that can make it difficult as a provider when you see something on your schedule that's not booked appropriately and then you have to juggle it. And, or you have to or you get shoehorned into providing a service that you don't think is uh, safe or appropriate uh, via telemedicine. And then the last thing I think I would just say is making sure you have all the tools you need for that video visit, whether that survey sent out in advance or, you know, for you guys in sports medicine, all your imaging is lined up so you don't have to scramble. Yeah, great points. Uh, I think for those of you out in the community who are maybe working from home or working from different locations, having access to imaging, Chris, like as Crystal mentioned, is really valuable. Actually being able to do a screen share to share your MRIs via telemedicine has been a real benefit to me. Um, and I think we have developed our own workflows as to what is appropriate for telemedicine. And I think, as you said, you know, being mindful to when you really do need to bring, bring a patient in versus maybe having more of a follow-up or consultation visit or a check-in visit where you would like to see them, but not necessarily in person. And most of that visit is conversational, um, might be a, an opportunity there. But yeah, I think it's a, a work in progress and, and something that will evolve as we get more comfortable and more used to it. But, uh, you know, Crystal, I got to thank you for taking the time um, to speak with us today. And, you know, we also wanted to thank the listeners who are participating in this podcast uh, and look forward to having you join us for the next AMSSM podcast. But thank you, Dr. Wong. We really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck in everything coming ahead for you as well. Oh, thank you, Ashwin. <laughs>